Welcome to Season 5 of the Excel Still More Podcast. I'm still your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you in your walk with the Lord, and I'm glad you've joined. The program continues to be sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John is a good friend, and he's helped me and my family in everything from stock and mutual fund investing to annuities, life insurance, and retirement planning. I certainly commend him to you. If you have needs in any of those areas, you can reach him at 615-895-7773. Thank you again for your ongoing encouragement and support. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back today and thanks for listening in. I can personally testify to how unpleasant it is to listen to my voice because I did so on the way into work today. For reasons that I will soon explain, I listened to episode one, recorded in January of 2019, Just Get Better. Have you ever done that, by the way? Have you ever listened to your own recorded voice? I have had to do so many times over the years because of podcast and sermon recordings, and admittedly, it's gotten a little easier over time, though I still would not call it a pleasant experience. And typically for me, it's even harder when it's a long time ago. Like, for instance, the episode you're listening to right now, I will need to go back and listen to it through and check for mistakes before posting it. And that doesn't really bother me anymore because I am the same person that I'm listening to. It will have only been about an hour ago. I still think and feel all of the same things. And sometimes I have to listen back through sermons for any number of reasons that are a week old or maybe a month old, And usually I'm like, yeah, I totally agree with that guy. I said that, and I still think that, and I would say it again. Although usually with the caveat that I clearly could have said it differently. But the farther back you go, the more suspect that gets. Here I am listening to myself from over four years ago. I am not that person anymore. My life is different. My experiences have changed. The amount of time I've put into studying the Word has changed. I understand some things differently. I pray I understand them better. So there is always this risk that going back that far will be a purely cringe-worthy experience. And in particular, I thought that there would be some things that really offended me, like me from 2019 offending myself in 2023. Let me give you a little setting for this. When I put out those episodes several years back, I really encouraged people to make comments on the Apple Podcasts app We were trying to get in the Apple New and Noteworthy section, which we were able to do, but that meant quite a steady stream of comments. Nowadays, I get about one a month posted there, but back then it was a lot more, and two of them still stand out to me today. They were not unkind, but they did suggest that just get better is another way of packaging work-based salvation. And more than that, really the idea that you're the one that has to do all of the work and God is waiting for you to accomplish it. And I remember reading that and filing it away and thinking there is something there that I might be missing, but to be honest with you, I just didn't see it. But you know what? A lot has changed in my life in these four years. There are some super clear defining moments. One of them came a year or two later when I taught Edwin Crozier's book on grace here at the Lindale Church. It is filled with case studies of people who are trying to get better and just can't, who want to change and hold that change, but simply aren't able to do so. And in the examples, the elders or parents or friends told them to just get better. Just make yourself do it. Bootstrap this thing, and then God will reward you. 
And that was kind of the responses we were getting in class, at least early in that semester. But after we had looked at a dozen stories like this, we all still believed that better was important. That getting better is the goal. Excel still more. But I think the entire congregation had this wonderful sense of, we are going to need to connect to God to make this happen. We started looking at verses that we all know exist about how Philippians 4.13, our strength is from Jesus in us. Ephesians 6 and verse 10, the strength is from the Lord. We started reading passages about the Holy Spirit and his identity and work. And it really began to occur to all of us that what you really need to be using the limited amount of energy you have in doing is just get closer to the Lord. Find a way to humble yourself before him. That's not going out and proving yourself through accomplishments. It is yearning to grab a hold of the corner of his coat, knowing that he has the power that you don't have. And I didn't know it back then, during Edwin's material, but the idea of grace to faith to life was being formed within my heart. Since then, I think I, and maybe you as well, have been through the New Testament a few times. And it turns out that God does want us to improve the parable of the talents. All of that is still there. But it is the result, the gratitude-infused result of having experienced the kindness of God, of living in a way that is very close to God, that is growing into the Lord, committing ourselves by faith to believe in power from the Lord that we cannot even describe or comprehend, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And so today, starting back up, just get better, one of the things that occurred to me is I'm glad we didn't make that the title for the entire program, which was on the table early on. I'm much more thankful that we went with Excel still more, which certainly still carries the connotation of growth. I mean, it's like a plant in the field. If we're not growing, we're dying. God wants to see us get better. But I'm not as comfortable with this sort of flippant, almost sarcastic idea of, hey man, just go out and get better. That's all you need to do. I think even if you are an avid ESM listener and have caught every episode, you know that that is a lot easier said than done, that it does not always happen, that we are not always consistent. And to the extent that you try to do it without greater fellowship with God, even with every tip and strategy from every self-help section in America, it's just you and your limitations trying to reach God, which of course is just an insane and impossible and ultimately discouraging idea. Okay, with all of that floating around in my mind and an article written by a friend, which I'll put in the back half of the episode, I got in my 2006 Toyota Tundra, plugged in my aux cable, and gave episode one a re-listen. I hadn't looked at it in a long time, and I noticed something like 15,000 people had checked it out, so I thought, if it's terrible... I'm going to feel awful all year long. But I will say this. It turned out not to be terrible. At least, I don't think that it did. Any issues I had with it were less about what was included. There were, I think, good biblical concepts included, and more about the crucial concepts that were not included and the great grace of God that has to drive all of it. Just a quick recap on that episode, unless you want to go give it a listen. It was shorter, 13 or 14 minutes. But we really just talked about the idea that still holds that Everyone who belongs to God should be seeking to improve. I'm pretty sure we're all humble enough to know that we need to improve. 
The Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, which was a great church, maybe the best church that he wrote to. And he complimented them on their faith, hope, and love. And then he said, let's excel in that. Let's go from where we are to a place of better that can glorify God even more. There is certainly nothing in the world wrong with that idea. And like I said about the plants of the field, if we just choose not to grow, if we just try to stagnate in the name of not regressing, then we'll always regress. Of course, I took you to the parable of the talents, the men with five and two who immediately went out and gained. They started now and they did their best and they doubled up and it was a great thing. The guy with one talent didn't lose everything because he couldn't get to 10 or he couldn't get to five. He lost everything because he refused to multiply what he had been given. I do believe more strongly now in 2023 that God has given beautiful and special spiritual gifts to people, that you and I may not be able to equally excel or grow in every area. I think we all can grow in love and belief, but God has put special talents in your hand, and the idea that he wants to see you cultivate those, that he expects you to cultivate those, is a very fair concept to represent. So I certainly wish in that episode I would have spent more time talking about the empowering goodness of God and how he has fueled you, the passion in you to grow because of the boundless grace that he wraps around you. But I think if we can just layer that in underneath all of the concepts shared, that they still stand the test of time. One more thing on that episode, though. There was something I did at the end that I had totally forgotten about. In the early stages of this program, I would try to have a very practical activity for you And I think the most robust one of the entire series was at the end of episode one, and I thought I might at least present it to you again, because I think this part of it is valuable. Identifying where you want to go, identifying what better looks like, what you need to be working on, what you are working on, that is all really important and pleases God. I mentioned making three lists where you have a paper and pencil and you try to write down five things in which you are growing. If I came to you and said, Tell me what you're getting better in in your walk with God or your love for others. What are things that you would say, this is where I see myself improving? I think I promised you that even if you can't write down something now, if you will follow through with the rest of the exercise within a few weeks, you will. Because in the second list, which is a little easier to make, I just ask you to write down things that you are doing in Christ. Things that you are now accomplishing by faith that you believe pleases God. And the goal is simple, to take those things and not just be proud of them or bury them in the ground, but move them up to the first list. Be able to say, I'm not just loving God's people, here is how I'm growing in my love for God's people. And then the third list is probably the least pleasant, but for some of us, the easiest to make. And that is a simple list of things that you don't have like you should, but you know that you should where growth is not necessarily exploding upward in these things, but actually reaching down and picking them up again. So listening back, I wasn't bothered by any of that, but I also have a deeper appreciation for the feedback I got that said, look, if your message is just get better, and if you're having trouble, just get better at getting better, then you may be asking people to do what is impossible, which will discourage them. You may, if you're not careful, send a message that people need to do that on their own to prove their faith, and then God will reach out and hold them. And ultimately, if people just find a way to get better enough, you'll reach this level where you're good enough to be saved. And again, I did not believe that in 2009 or 2019 or today, but I do think I and maybe other presenters of the word 
have sent those signals in an imbalanced fashion. One more angle on this before I give you a few concepts to think about this week. I have a really good friend who lives in the Metroplex area. His name is Tony Eldridge. He is a writer. He is an encourager. He and I are working together right now on a book on the topic of grace, and he is amazing. So his most recent article is titled, We Can Do Right Wrong. But in the article, he deals with both ends of the mistake spectrum. On the one hand, like the title, there is doing the right thing, but with the wrong motives. He cites the Pharisees as a prime example and looks at a few passages. And it is certainly a warning that we all have to look out for. Here I am out there just trying to get better. Like that's the only objective is me improved. And if I'm not careful and my approach isn't biblical and God pursuant, I may end up getting better, but because my heart and motives aren't right, it won't make a difference anyway. When we're trying to get right in the wrong way, we fall victim to the validity of box checking. Pride can set in where I go, look, I did it. I did the thing that few people will do. Therefore, I'm now worthy of heaven because of it. And maybe worst of all, we begin to judge people as less than worthy of God's grace if they have not accomplished the thing that I have accomplished, all of which represents an improper heart. But here's the thing about doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. You will probably battle that your entire life. The more focus we put on you getting the thing right, the more susceptible you are to missing that humble heart and gratitude motivation that ought to be driving it. I know at times we do the right thing for the right reasons, but are you willing to admit that it's not all the time and maybe not near as often as it should be? Because if you are, you still need to pursue the right things, but you have a lot of heart work to do, and primarily it's going to bring you to the feet of God, yearning for his love and compassion and grace and help and strength and spirit. And that's where we're going to find each other. Now, in the article, he flips it to the other side and reads some New Testament verses about this, where you're doing the wrong thing, or at least most people would say it is the wrong thing biblically, but you're doing it for all the right reasons. Maybe you have an entirely pure heart, you have an open Bible, you have a clean conscience, but you're doing things that other conservative thinkers believe is unauthorized. They might say, well, you're being affected by your culture. These are not specifically taught to us in the scripture. Or these practices end up being hurtful to the conscience of others and divisive. And while those can be false accusations by people who are legalistic in thinking, they can all be true as well, can't they? Don't we sometimes get emotional about things and pursue them without giving proper due diligence to seeing how biblical they are or how they will affect the brethren around us? Again, I'm sure you get the right thing done the right way at times. Although if there is some perfect execution that can cause you to relax, you've probably never found it. And maybe you're willing to admit that at times you were pursuing the wrong kinds of things in the name of God, even though your heart felt perfectly right about it. What am I saying here? I'm saying let's get better. Let's excel still more. Let's try to do the right things, the biblical things, in the right way. But if you're pursuing some security in your works some level of accomplishment to make you feel better. We make too many mistakes and miss the mark too often to ever experience it. Maybe there are even limitations in your life, in your heart, in your knowledge, where you just can't get better no matter how hard you try. Or maybe you see so many people around you who seem to be missing the mark, maybe not in one area, but in another. And it just discourages you altogether to even try. 
I have directly experienced that, not only by looking in the mirror, but genuinely looking at other people. So what do we do about all of this, this reality that none is righteous, not even one? Well, we certainly don't give up. The Bible tells us to never give up, and we certainly don't downplay the idea of growth. We need to keep humble hearts and open Bibles and seeking spirits and clear consciences. We need to keep growing. But I pray you have lost any illusion of the idea. And I pray it's not evident in anything that I ever publicly record that you can accomplish that without the power of God. That any level of your accomplishment will not need the patience of God. I really like how Tony ends his article. He says, If we are stuck in a rut of doing right wrong, let us not keep trying to do better, better. Instead, let us examine our hearts and our motives, working on building our faith and spending time considering the grace that Jesus has given us. This is the only way to break the cycle of doing right wrong. I would add, and I believe Tony would agree, that that's the only way to break the cycle of doing the wrong things, but with a pure and undefiled heart. We need to get very close to God. Reach out for the corner of Jesus' coat. Open up the word every day, prayerfully saying, God, I can't make myself better, and if I did, it wouldn't be good enough. Thank you, first of all, for receiving me. Thank you for accepting my faith, for the grace that you have offered me, and for your patience. Lord, lead me to greater truth. If I am doing the right things with the wrong heart, renovate my heart. Pray for cleansing. Pray for wisdom, James 1. Pray for the fruit of the Spirit to exist in you from Galatians 5. Pray to be changed because everyone needs to be changed in the sense that we will always be somewhat short of the great image of Jesus. There is always room to grow. I think that's one of the problems with the people who are right with the wrong motives. They think everyone else needs to change because maybe they feel like their externals are right and that's all that matters. Newsflash, your externals probably aren't as right as you think that they are and it won't matter unless you're working on your heart and your thankfulness to Jesus and your surrender for his cause in the core of your soul. And what's interesting is this unites that person with the person across the room that they feel like is the opposite of them. The person who they believe is doing things in the name of the Lord that are not biblical. But that person is passionate in heart, loves the Lord with all of their heart, and loves the word just as much. Can there ever be unity between them? Well, with man and our pride, it is impossible. But by the grace of God, it is possible. Will they both need to grow? Will each of them need to make changes? Maybe even repent? Almost certainly so. But unity among God's people, unity among fellow believers, is much like unity in a marriage. Just trying to pull ourselves together over some impassable chasm can be impossible on our own. But like that triangle we use in marriage studies, if each of us is working into a closeness with the Lord, and while I certainly mean Bible reading in prayer, I also mean building our trust in those basic Bible verses that we've quoted since we were kids. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I can be strong in the strength of His might. And the Holy Spirit and His fruit are seated in me to help. And as each of us kneels before the throne of God, we find one another there, and unity becomes possible again. The interesting thing about this is no matter how committed you get to pursuing closeness to God, it's not going to solve your imperfection problem. 
It's not like, hey, I heard this episode in May of 2023. I started giving it all to God, pleading for the power of God, and then I never sinned again. And that's what ought to break through with every listener, even the most critical of listener. None of us achieve perfection, not in outward events, not in inward thinking. But if you're not working closely with him and him working through you, then it won't even matter no matter how much you accomplish. But where he is the strength of your life and the passion of your walk, you are saved and redeemed and blessed in him, even though despite your best efforts, you will not measure up. That gives me a lot of hope. It motivates me still to just get better. But even more than that, and before that, when I think about the greatness of our Lord and his power, what I really want to do, what we need to do, is just get closer. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed this program, will you share it with someone you care about? One thing I've learned over these five seasons is that there's nothing as powerful in advertising as word of mouth sharing between friends. Speaking of friends, let me once again commend you to give John Cunningham a call. He and his team have a wide variety of tools to help you use your present budget and life to build towards a more secure and hopeful financial future. Once again, you can reach him at 615-895-7773. And always remember, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.